Well, it is certainly my pleasure to introduce someone that I've actually known for a number of decades, actually. We've been friends, we've been on parallel courses, we've helped each other. A man I'm very proud of, his name is Mark Blocker. Mark, welcome to our little podcast today. Randy, it's great uh, great to be with you. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit more about Mark. He is the co-founder and CEO of Christian Healthcare Centers Incorporated, which is a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based nonprofit organization that provides primary and specialist medical services here in Michigan. Although we actually get some patients from outside, I say we because I'm on his board, but uh, from even outside the state. His educational background includes undergraduate and advanced degrees from Cornerstone University, Dallas Theological Seminary, and Kennedy Western University. He has personally taught himself at many colleges and universities here in Michigan, and he has founded and run a number of nonprofits that are concerned with pro-life and health-related matters. He's authored a number of articles and books. He's well-known even nationwide as a speaker on issues, primarily dealing with life, health, and bioethics. Mark and his dear wife, Julie, are parents of four grown children, and they are the proud grandparents of now six grandkids. It's fun to have grandkids, isn't it, Mark? They're so great. Just had a celebration of several birthdays last night. My oldest grandson turned 21. Oh, that's too cool. We just had a great time. Isn't it amazing how rapidly time goes on? You know, you can look back at when your kids were small and now, how did that happen? It's, it's wonderful that you can raise four imperfect kids and end up with six perfect grandkids. <laughs> uh, uh, hopefully your children will not uh, see this particular podcast. But yes. anyhow, anyhow I, I just truly am proud to be considered your friend, to serve on your board, you serve on our board. And uh, we would just... Uh, it's it's just been fun watching you do your thing. Uh, so many people, when they get to a kind of retirement age, they say, "Yeah, let's go off and do nothing for a while." But you just keep doing the next thing, and I, truly, I'm you're a great inspiration to me and to many others, Mark. So thanks for doing that. Well, it's uh, it's been my my pleasure, and I'm humbled that God has chosen to use some of the things that I've that I've done, and I I always want to know that I'm. I'm following his lead. I'm not uh, <laughs> expecting him to rubber stamp my plans. Uh, but, that, that's um, profound. That really my, is. my dear wife, you know, God bless her. She has just developed this incredible uh, um, resilience, you know, and risk. Uh, she's not risk averse. When I come <laughs> home and I've got some new crazy idea of something we, we need to start. She's like all in. All right, let's go do it. That's very so, true. Retirement just seems to be rather boring compared to all the fun stuff that I get to do. <laughs> well, it's neat. Well, let's just talk for a minute about Christian Healthcare Centers. I think many people in West Michigan will know about it, but but just talk a little bit about how it came about, why it came about, and what it is. Well, I'll tell you, the simple story is this. Um, you know, following the Great Commission that Jesus gave us to uh, make disciples. Yep. I was leading a discipleship group, and during the the discipleship uh, process, we had people in there that were in healthcare. Okay, 
And at the end of our session, we would start talking about health care. You know, and it was certainly in 2012 when Obamacare was coming along, there was a lot of a lot of discussion about what that meant. Sure. <clears throat> and so we began kicking around the idea of what would a Christian healthcare system look like? Because our current system has all kinds of problems with it. I don't need to detail those here. Mm-hmm. But uh, but also that we just saw that the Christian voice and Christian presence in healthcare was increasingly being marginalized. It was mm-hmm. being pushed to the sidelines. And so we thought, what do we have to do in order to bring the Christian presence and that Christian voice back into healthcare? So we were kicking around a number of ideas. And so one day I sat down with the guys at uh, the restaurant that we would meet at. And I said, I've got this idea. And I kind of mapped out a mm-hmm. little bit of what I was thinking about this parallel Christian healthcare system, kind of the proverbial uh, restaurant napkin, you know, diagram. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Jeff Wu, who is one of those people in there, he's a medical doctor in internal medicine. He said, so where exactly is this medical utopia that you're talking about? <laughs> and I, I said, well, as far as I know, it doesn't exist, but why don't we create it? Hmm. And that was kind of the launch pad for us to go from uh, 2012 when we started those discussions and then 2015 when we actually incorporated. And of course, that's when I came and corralled you and some others to be uh, the founding board members. Mm-hmm. And um, and then in 2017, we actually launched uh, and opened up our first office here in Grand Rapids. And since then, God has continued to bless it. He's continued to provide for it. I'm not going to say it wasn't a struggle. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we know that anything like this doesn't just you know magically appear. You have to invest a lot of sweat equity and and be willing to make a lot of sacrifices. And quite honestly, um, you know, I tell people that. One of the reasons I'm not retiring is because um, God had me use all the money I had squirreled away for retirement to start Christian healthcare centers. Wow. So this is what we're, you know, it's his money. And if he wants me to spend it on starting a ministry, then that's what we do. Wow. And since then, we've we've grown to now we have two offices. We're working on a third. We've opened up a small outpatient surgery center that does procedures in, in in some minor surgeries, we have uh, we, we're, we're attracting patients from 45 Michigan counties, 18 states, and eight foreign countries. Isn't that amazing? And it just says to us that uh, the, the critics who told us it would never work were clearly wrong. And uh, so I I kind of think back to a Winston Churchill statement that he made. He said it's it's doubtful that the majority has ever been right. <laughs> and when I talked to a, a lot of people when we were talking about starting this, you know, I probably had a hundred people tell me that yeah. it would never work, that the math would not work. And we were just dumb enough to think that it would. And 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 sure enough, yeah, it does. It and it's does. probably more necessary and more relevant today, even than when it, when we started. Yeah. Uh, when I look around post COVID and I look at what what took place, you know, during the, the whole COVID covid fiasco mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there's a there's a need for a christian healthcare system mm-hmm. well in fact uh, you you point out a fact that most christians are unaware of is that really the church was one of the leaders in creating a healthcare system many many years ago and we've kind of lost track of that 
You know what we've done, Randy, unfortunately, is with the exception of medical missions, which right. is a very long history, wherever the gospel has gone in mm-hmm. the world, medical ministry has gone with it. And, you know, you look back at the history of this country and you see that medical ministry was a very prominent feature mm-hmm. of, uh, of church ministry. Wherever you find, uh, you know, churches in the U.S., they were very philanthropic in starting medical ministries, hospitals, clinics, you know, places that people could go to and receive good quality care, because those people actually believed that that Jesus as the great physician was not symbolic. Mm-hmm. They actually believed that Jesus as the great physician is the one who heals. Yeah. And sometimes he uses doctors. Sure. You know, what we've done is we've tried to to reestablish mm-hmm. that kind of a philosophy of medical ministry where he's the one that does the healing. He's the one that designed our bodies. He's the one that knows more about human physiology and all of the allergies that you find in healthcare. He knows more about that than anyone. So why don't we start with him being the prominent part of a medical ministry? Mm-hmm. Instead of too often what happens, even among believers, you know, you hear this when they're sharing prayer requests and they mm-hmm. talk about the help needs that they want people to pray for. And how often do we hear people say things like, well, you know, all we can do is pray. Yep. When medicine fails, well, then we call in, you know, the, the Lord and say, okay, God, yeah. you know, you get in there and do it now. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we start there? That's why don't so we good. Start with Jesus in the exam room when we're talking about the symptoms this person has. Exactly. That's what we've, uh, we've built Christian healthcare centers on that foundation. That's good. In fact, uh, let me just quickly pull up a little chart that I saw on your website that talks about what your qualities are or the important values. Uh, anything you want to call attention to from this chart? Well, the only thing I would emphasize is that when we say it's Christ-centered, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're not just putting that up there, you know, as a talking point. That right. is, in fact, the core value. Mm-hmm. We start every day in our office by first and foremost praying for our patients that we're going to see that day, wow. praying for our staff, praying for their own needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want this to truly be a Christ-centered and a, a Christ-led ministry. That's so and I'm not saying others aren't. I'm just saying that that's who we are. Yep. And quite honestly, that's what sets us uh, apart, really, from much of the uh, the, the current, uh, I'll call it mainstream healthcare system. Even some of those that have Christian names, you know, you've got Baptist Health and Methodist yeah, Health. Sure. Yep. Yet the the medicine that's practiced inside the walls of their institutions quite often is not uh, indicative of the name that they that they bear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We want to be. We want to be very clear that uh, that we're distinctively Christian, Christ-centered, mm-hmm. and we strive to provide exceptional care. Yeah, we don't, we don't always hit that mark. We're we're not perfect, but we sure strive to be. Yeah, well, I've heard very positive things about it, Mark, about your healthcare system, and uh, and it keeps growing, which is again indicative of the fact that people are sharing, hey, this is good, join and uh, they're doing it. So so how can people learn more about it if they want to find out how they could maybe make contact and even join Christian Healthcare Centers? Well, the easiest way is to visit our website and that's uh, chcenters.org. 
So just the letter C and the letter H and then uh -huh. the centers, chcenters.org. If they want to learn about our specialty services, uh, you know, the surgery center, that's chspecialists.org. So it's, a, it's the letter C and the letter H and then the word specialists, plural, dot org. Okay. And they can learn about the surgeries that we do uh, right. in our center. Well, great. Um, we're, we're, we'd be delighted to talk to anybody. We talk to people not only in this country, but uh, even have had people that we've talked to around the world who want to start uh, ministries like this. And uh, yeah, I really so believe that we we may be seeing the beginnings of a movement where in terms of medical professionals, in terms of doctors and nurses and mm -hmm. all of the you know surgeons, et cetera, we get contacted on a regular basis from those folks who desperately want to work in and practice in an environment like ours mm -hmm. to get back to practicing medicine for all the reasons they went through medical training to start with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that is incredible. That's awesome. All right. Well, let, let's just transition for a few minutes just to something else you've been working on. It's going to be difficult for us to cover it in depth, but at least give kind of an overall overarching perspective on you've been given some talks at the local church where you've been attending and it's just I've, I've read some of your writings about it it's just so deep uh, Mark where you're really talking about what's really going on in our culture today you know the implication is okay it's it's the right versus the left it's it's you know Republicans Democrats it's 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 all political or it's all this or that you look deeper where the real issue is, where the real problem is. And uh, it's deeper than politics, isn't it? Oh, far more deep. Yeah, it's, it's far more um, impactful than, you know, politics. Uh, you can't put into any kind of a political bin all of the issues that are, are really coming mm -hmm. at us. And, you know, and I, I started out that series by talking about what the real threat really is. You know, the real threat to us as Christians is not uh, that the Democrats or the Republicans or, you know, whoever hmm. um, are going to prevail or that, uh, you know, the capitalism is going to lose out to socialism. Right. Those those are those aren't insignificant issues. Hmm. But the problem is that uh, what we're really facing is a spiritual warfare. And, yes. And and why should we be surprised at that when Scripture particularly the New Testament, calls our attention to the fact that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. That's right. You know, we understand that the that there's a spiritual core mm -hmm. to the cosmic war that's going on between the biblical Christian worldview mm. and a worldview that is infused with satanic hatred of the triune God. Yeah. That's really what it comes at. And so anything God values is the target. Mm -hmm. Whether you're talking about faith and religious liberty or you're talking about marriage, or parenting, or human identity, hmm. or the value of human life. I mean, all those things have a bullseye painted on them. Yeah. And so there's not a one, you know, there's not a simple fix, if you right. will, to that. Yeah. And right. I know a lot of people that maybe some even listening to this will say, well, that's just an exaggeration. Hmm. You know, sadly, uh, they'd be wrong. Because what's happening is the, the opposition is not just coming for our money or possessions or our freedom. For our children, but the goal is ultimate power and control. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I mean, our if we're living in the last days, I mean, there's one way to look at that, I suppose, is that, yeah, there's going to be a, a one world government sort of thing and an antichrist. And I mean, maybe it's, is it possibly leading to that at this moment? What do you think? Well, when I look at uh, when I when I look at some of the things that um, that happen on the, the surface, let's put it that way, that, yes. that you actually have reported in mm-hmm. in the media. Yep. You know, you have the gathering of the world's economic uh, and social cultural elites in Davos, Switzerland, every year. Yep. Yep. You have yep. the World Economic Forum, and they make pronouncements about you know what we're going to do about climate change and what we're going to do about uh, you know economics and and um, in in the problem of diversity and equity and inclusion and all of that and you know you've got people like Bill Gates you know who can can't keep a virus out of my computer but he can tell us that you know we need to get rid of eating meat and yeah. we need to uh, we and we need to get rid of a private ownership that you know we will own nothing and we'll all be happy yeah that's right not, that's not my statement that's the guy that runs the World Economic Forum so when you have people talking about you know a central bank uh, digital mm. currency. Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, you know having social credit scores, all of these things. My Christian friends need to wake up and recognize that you know these aren't things that aren't going to impact them. In fact, they already are impacting them. Yeah. So how are we how are we going to live in light of that? You know, Francis Schaeffer, back in the in the seventies and early eighties, yeah. especially in the seventies, wrote a wrote a book. How shall we then live? We need to ask that question again now. And some of the things he predicted would happen, yep. we're seeing unfold. Well, that's true. In fact, you mentioned Francis Schaeffer. Um, I attended school, of course, out east in Boston at MIT. And uh, my freshman year, if, if you had asked me, you know, why should I become a Christian? I would have said something like, well, it's going to make you feel better. And he actually came to Boston and spoke at our school and at Harvard and the Boston area. And uh, he said, you know, if you just want to feel better, what you should do is just take drugs. He says, the Bible is true truth. And it, it's, it's just, it's, it's immutable. It's, it's just, it's true for everybody. It's not your feelings that are true. It's what God says is true. And boy, that changed my my perspective significantly, and I began to to argue with my fraternity brothers, and I kind of came on a little too strong sometimes. I, I would win the battles but lose the war because I didn't quite do it in love. So we, we have to speak the truth, but we got to do it in love. And uh, but anyhow, he he's, he did a great job to to help us to understand what the issues are and are becoming uh, as, as we continue to go forward. So what, what do we got to do as Christians? What, if you had to speak to American Christians today, and you had to summarize what you'd like to tell them, what would you want to say? First and foremost, uh, we, we need to become preppers. And I don't mean prepping the kind of uh, survival prepping, you know, where we store up yeah. all kinds of supplies and, you know, we get ready to head out into the wilderness. I'm talking about prayerful prepping. Mm -hmm. We need to pray on the spiritual armor that God has already provided, because again, this battle is uh, not with flesh and blood. Yeah. It's against principalities and powers, and we're not going to be able to, to win that, that war, that conflict 
with uh, human with human methodology and human weapons. We've got yeah. to spray on the spiritual armor. Amen. And I dare say most Christians have no idea how to do that. Yeah. They read Ephesians 6 and they read about the armor and they kind of go, yeah, ho-hum, you know, yep, that's in there. But they don't appropriate it. So number one, we have to appropriate what God has provided for us to be uh, be, able, be able to take the offense. That's good. Go on offense, but also have the correct defense so yes. that we're healthy enough to be yes. on offense. Yes, I love it. Yes. Uh, secondly, I think we, we need to get serious about extracting ourselves from the very thing that Francis Schaeffer and scripture warns us about, and that is the the delusion of delayed consequences that come from being comfortable, from having our personal peace and affluence. Mm -hmm. We're not feeling particularly threatened. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of like the uh, the Polish uh, during the, the days leading up to the Blitzkrieg, the Nazi Blitzkrieg, you know, everything looked great. Everything. Yeah. Was yeah. Great. Right. You know, we've heard these rumblings about war, but you know, th th things are pretty much the same as they've always been. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden uh, they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think too many true. Christians want to reduce the current struggle down to politics. Mm -hmm. You know, they believe that if we get the right people yep. elected, things will be better. You know, yeah. if we just put the right people on the courts and the right people in the machinery of the administrative state, the right yeah. people on our school boards and mm -hmm. local government boards and classrooms. And, and then if we do politics better, then we can get what we want. Yeah. And they're not paying attention to what the real war is yeah. all about. So spiritual prepping. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think we yeah. need to we need to develop cultural resilience. And what I mean by that is we have to develop a distinctively Christian counterculture. Hmm. Our problem isn't that uh, the that Christians uh, are are ineffective um, with the current culture. Our problem is that too many Christians are the current culture. Exactly. We've been influenced by our culture in a huge way. Absolutely. More than we have influence. We've not been the salt and the light that we need to be, that Jesus calls us to be. And uh, so it's got to start with revival of us. We have to be you know, on fire for Jesus. And then that can lead, as it has in history a number of times, to a, a awakenings, spiritual awakenings in a culture that has brought America back from the brink more than once in the last 200, 300 years, however long we've been around. We need another one of those in a huge way to change hearts that ultimately impact even public policy. But it starts with us, and then it leads to culture, and then that ultimately can have an influence. It'll never be perfect this side of eternity, but it sure could be a lot better. Well, it's very important that Christians um, do what any good military force does, and that is they, first and foremost, they need to know what their mission is. Yeah. And it's very clear what our mission is, because Jesus gave it to us. He told yeah. us to go into the world and make disciples. That's it, to play offense, not defense. Well, Ephesians yeah. 4 told us what the nature of the church is. We, the church doesn't have to go up on some mountaintop and have a, you know, a retreat to find out who they are. That's true. I mean, how many churches have their planning retreats? And that's one of, well, who are we as a church? Read Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11. That'll tell you what the church is. That's good. What the church is supposed to be and what, what the leadership of the church is supposed to do. 
Um, but second of all, we need to understand not just our mission, we need to understand who our enemy is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, here's what we need to understand. Satan is a deceiver. People need to let that sink in. Mm. Oh, yes, that's right. Satan's a deceiver. Well, here's the deal. Deception doesn't work unless the person being deceived doesn't realize they're being deceived. Exactly. That's right. And here's what I would tell my Christian friends, and that's this. Whatever price you put on your fidelity to Christ, meaning whatever it would take for you to defect from following Christ, Satan will pay that price. That's true. And many times he doesn't come after us with a direct, you know, full frontal attack. Mm -hmm. What he does is he floods us with success. He floods us with with affluence. He floods us with things that make us feel good, that make us feel like things are going well. And, you know, if peace, if if personal peace and affluence is what it takes, then he'll he'll pay that. You know, looking in history. The early church was under major persecution, but they grew, you know, so quickly, you know, despite the persecution. But then it was like Satan thought, boy, if I could just kill this church off by persecution and, you know, whatever, that didn't work. So he says, I'll try the affluent side. So then the church began to be buddies with the government. Right. And the church began to decline. In a huge way. And that's kind of where we're at 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 this point in time. But I think, you know, it's kind of funny that in in nations where where the church is under persecution, for example, China, um, just I got a little slide here just to to quickly show how the church in China, despite incredible persecution, has been growing. In fact, the estimates are that within just a few years, there'll be more Christians in China than in America, if if the trends continue, because the American church has been in more of a decline situation. I think I may have a slide on that, too. Uh, yeah, church is losing a bunch of people each year. Uh, church is closing their door. Very few churches having conversion growth. Christians not sharing their faith with others and so on. I and mean, we could go on and on. But these are issues that are going that are happening you know, there's a lot more we need to talk about, my friend. Um, and maybe we need to, to get back and do another one of these. But I want to encourage you. You're thinking about doing some writing in this area. And I really kind of believe that, you know, Francis Schaeffer is gone, but we need a new Francis Schaeffer in our, in our world. And he might be named Mark Blocker. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, you, you've got a lot in this area that God has shown you. And that I think Christians in America need to hear. And it's hard to cover all those specifics on a podcast like this. But I'm telling you, I I am so proud of you and thankful for your perseverance. And I'm going to encourage our people to pray for you, to pray that you will, you know, amidst all the other busy things you're working on and family and everything else, all the sacrifices you have made. Um, that that you will find the time to be able to, to put some of this in a written form so that it can be shared with, with a wide grouping of people. So anything else before you close us in prayer? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you and talk to the people that uh, that listen to your podcasts. I, uh, I'm humbled that, uh, you know, God uses any of this for his, his glory. And, and, and anything that I've said, 
that it aligns with what his purpose and plan is. You know, I hope that uh, that penetrates in people's minds and they remember it. And anything I've said that's chaff, I hope that they forget it. Oh, oh, God bless you. You got great humility on top of it all. Well, it's amazing what God can do with a second-class mind. Uh, No, I wouldn't call you that at all. But why don't you close us in prayer, would you, Mark? I sure will. Father, we give you praise and glory, and, and we adore you. We love you. We thank you that you have allowed us to participate in your in your kingdom reign. It's mm-hmm. your kingdom, not ours. Mm-hmm. And we pray that uh, we would represent your kingdom well. Help us to be brave and courageous. Yes. Help us to be bold. Mm-hmm. We know that there is not one single thing that we could do uh, in faith that you can't accomplish. Mm-hmm. But we desire to follow your lead. We know that we're living in perilous, difficult times. Mm-hmm. Help us, Lord, in the midst of that to be faithful. Help us to be faithful disciplers and disciples, that we would be faithful followers, that we would invest in people, we'd invest in the kinds of of ministries that uh, would would flourish and cause your people to flourish and bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Mark, for being with us, for sharing your heart. I do pray God continue to bless you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you as well. God bless. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.